Good morning, Epic Church. Oh my goodness, well, I was uh, looking you guys up online. I know you guys, but I was checking out the website, and I, I saw a dress code right up front. I said, honey, they embraced the flip-flop jean short culture. I'm going to feel right at home. She says, you're not going up in jean shorts. I create my own jean shorts, you know, jeans get ratty. Let me tell you something, how cool this is for me this morning. Years ago, five years ago to be exact, before I launched my Celebrate Recovery Campus, I was meeting with a bunch of pastors from across the nation, and they were doing this thing called Vision Cast. What are you going to do? And uh, I said, man, I've got this idea. I've got this thing that I I, want to do where I can invade other churches in my community, and they'll send me their people that are hurting, and then I could inject life into them, send them back to their communities of faith, and they will serve there. And this pastor said to me, he goes, that is ridiculous. He goes, why would I send my hurting to you? And man, I'll tell you what, I said, I said to this guy, I said, man, you don't, you don't know my community. We're known for a lot of bad stuff. I go, but we got this one thing, this one thing going for us where we are so relational Our pastors work together and communicate. I'll tell you what, Trent and the guys here at the leadership at Epic Church is so awesome. They would leave the country and give the floor to a guy like me. (laughs) And so, beautiful, beautiful. This morning, we're talking about being second. That is not in our language. We don't like being second, especially as Americans. But we need to be relational. We need to invest in others that is, that is all about what Jesus was about. Briefly, there was a couple weeks ago, I went to uh, one of these um, jumping places. There's trampolines everywhere. And I, I'm running around with my five-year-old. She's now six, actually. And uh, we're jumping, and I'm watching them jumping to a, a ball pit or a foam pit, you know. And, and my, my, my three-year-old's just floating on top. He's amazing. And my five-year-old's like, we're going to do this, Dad. Jump in. And so she jumps in. And then I jump in. And I'm 200 pounds. And so I forgot that, like, that kind of weight doesn't do well in a foam pit. And so I sink right to the bottom. And I'm also only 5'4". So thank God I'm not claustrophobic. I, I sink right to the bottom. And I'm like, well, there's a problem here. Because I can't get my footing. I can't get out of this thing. And my daughter's like, yeah, let's go to the next one. And I'm like, I'm trying to go to the next one. And I'm like, honey, get your mom. Because she's going to have to fish me out of this thing. And I got a guy standing next to me who I would not take into battle because he's just staring at me, flail, and, and choke and die in this thing. And my wife graciously comes over and she's like, isn't this great? And I'm like, yeah, it's great. And she, I said, I need your help. Like, it's going to not be so great in about two minutes, so help me. And graciously, she invests in me and fishes me out of this thing. And I thought, oh, praise God for wives. You know, because you know if my guys were there, they would have had their phones, taken photos, and... It would have been all over the internet. It's a bit overwhelming for me this morning to share this space with you because, you know, I do a Celebrate Recovery Campus and I do counseling 
But one of the best things I get to do is come to different churches and share what God's doing in the community. I get to have lunch with your leaders and they buy that for me because I'm broke and, and we get to share time together. But in these last couple weeks, guys, just to give you a brief overview of where I've been, in May, my wife and I had to have one of those meetings where the pastor shows up unexpectedly. You ever have one of those? You walk in, you're tired from work, you open the door, and there's your pastor. And you're like, why didn't you text me, man? And he goes, oh, because this isn't one of those fun meetings. And I go, oh, and my wife says, listen, you can do ministry or you can do your job. What do you want? But I can't do both anymore. <sighs> and I go, okay. And God in that moment goes, you need to step away from this fear and this control that you have, Josh. And you make a decision. I need you to move in my direction. And so we cut our income in half. I left my job of 12 years and we stepped into ministry full time. And so what I'm here to tell you this morning is this doesn't make sense. When I read the Bible, I always went, man, you know what? This is, this is a Bible. Things happen in this Bible that are weird. We stuff a lot of animals in a boat, right? And the world floods. There's a burning bush that speaks and a guy that raises from the dead that says he's going to save me. Why does this make sense? None of this makes sense. But God is so relational, he invites us into that story to become one. And then we invest in others. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning on how cool it is that God would then use people to invest in us and our authentic experiences with coming to know Jesus. For me, that was my grandmother, Grandma's Rock, okay? And she did this by praying for me and living by example of who Christ was in my life, and she still does that today. But in this series, I Am Second, it always stood out to me because even as Americans, we don't like to be second to anything. We view being second as a weakness. Society does not lose well anymore. Matter of fact, the great theologian Ricky Bobby once said <laughs> that if you're not first... You're last. That's it. There's no second place. You either win or you're a loser. But when I identified with Christ for the first time, that didn't line up well with his scriptures at all. I spent a good portion of my life fighting for selfish gain, and I don't remember surrounding myself with a lot of guys that were second. I surrounded myself with guys that thought they were winners. Saw, thought that they were conquerors. That's what I connected to. But Jesus says in Mark 9, 35, whoever wants to be first must take the last place and be the servant to everybody else. Servant? That's weakness. That's not the important spot. I struggled with that. I've now realized that most men never achieve greatness because we get in the way of what God is trying to do in us. I added this last minute. I heard this quote by Chuck Swindoll. He says that when God wants to do an impossible task, he takes a man and he crushes him. And I went, 
I don't want to be crushed. Men don't like to be crushed. We like to be strong. We like to be conquerors. Gaining that understanding started for me in a really dark and lonely place, literally dark. I was living in a duplex in the F section. That morning, my grandmother shows up. She leaves a book with me called Wild at Heart by this guy named John Eldridge. And I resented her visit that morning because she didn't come with answers. She couldn't just step into that moment and give to me. That's what I wanted. I talked to her years later. Now we serve in CR together. And I said, Grams, I go, what were you thinking that morning? She says, Josh, I gave that book to you. I walked out. I heard the door click behind me. And I knew that at that point I had taken you as far as I could. Hmm. Now, that's a long, long line of learning how not to be codependent. I just wanted her to step in and fix it, fix it all. She says, I took you as far as I could. I felt alone. It's funny how loud silence can be. I was, so I cracked this book. Now, let me tell you something. I had a really, really hard time with this book just because I don't read anything. I read comic books. Right, so we skip ahead to the good stuff where Hulk breaks everything, you know. And uh, but this book was different, and so I read it because I had nothing left at that point. I crack this book, I read right through, and when I finish, I think to myself, "Oh my goodness, men are allowed to be like this with a battle to fight." I like battles. What guy doesn't like battles? A beauty to rescue. That sounds fun. An adventure to live. Is there adventure here? Oh my goodness. An adventure to live. So, I thought about this. You see, this journey that you start to take, the journey that you find me in at this point of my story, has to happen one-on-one. You have to be willing to face God face-to-face. Now, sure, people can point you in that direction, They can say, hey man, go that way. But eventually you come to a place where it's you and God. I see this all the time at Celebrate Recovery, which by the way, I messed up first service. We meet Friday nights from seven to nine at Palm Coast Community Church, okay? From seven to nine at Palm Coast Community Church. But people will come in and people get nervous when you hear the word recovery. And trust me when I tell you, I've tried to fix it over the years, you know, polish it up a little bit. No, man. But they come in and they're like, oh my God, is Negan going to be here? Is this a, is this a, a, a walking dead episode? What are we going to, we're getting really nervous. My hands are sweating. No, no. Matter of fact, we only make up about 3% those that identify just with substance abuse. A lot of the time, substance abuse is just the flower that is birthed from the root cause of things like control and things like uncertainty. So they come in, and you can see them because they're usually dragging somebody. I brought my friend. I I brought my grandmother. I brought my mom, my dad. And we go... They need this really bad. 
But a lot of the times, those people that they brought don't stay, but they do. And I go, hey, man, good to see you again. Third week, huh? Well, fourth week, huh? Good to see you, man. They're like, yeah, it was, my, it was me. And I go, I know. You're safe here. And so they come and they invest. But it's a wrestling match in a desert, holding on for breakthrough. And I always knew that combat was in our DNA. The Bible says Jacob's encounter starts a lot like mine and a lot like yours, alone. When we meet God, you could be in a sold-out arena of worshipers at a Hillsong United thing, and God shows up, and there's not a soul in that place. It's you and God. So Genesis 32 24, it says, so Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. I hate that the Bible glosses over this stuff. Hollywood doesn't do that. We get more, right? They, they, they show up, they're staring at each other. They're breathing heavily, you know? I, I, I met with a young kid earlier this week and, and, and I said, um, we're talking through watching your favorite movies with your buddies. And I say, man, you ever see Gladiator? And he just stares at me. And I go, you've, I'm sorry, you've never seen Gladiator? You've never seen Maximus rub the sand in his hands as he prepares to drive a sword through another man? And he's like, is that Marvel? I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smack this guy right now. 16... I dated myself. I couldn't believe it. But here Jacob is. He sends his family across. He is by himself. And my mind goes places. So I go, he's sitting there at deer camp. He's got a little fire going. It's still. And all of a sudden a guy shows up. Let me tell you something. You know how freaky it would be if you're in the middle of nowhere and it is a blackout, and you've got a little fire going that you struggle to get going because you like to think you could create fire with your hands, you know, but it's hard to do that. And here comes a guy, just shows up, and then he's got a problem. He wants to fight. Are my skills going to be up to par? <laughs> I don't know. They battle. It starts alone. I feel... Like Jacob, and we see him in Genesis run games. He had never faced anybody. The Bible says that he comes out of the womb of his mother holding the heel of his brother Esau. He had been used to stealing his entire life. Running games, taking what was, his, was not his, blaming others for his shortcomings. Those character traits have rubbed off on men. They rubbed off on me. Rubbed off on me. There's one thing that I respect about Jacob. It was his grip strength. Men, have you ever grabbed another man's hands and felt vulnerable? Right? And so you get to see this. The best picture I could paint you is, is Arnold Schwarzenegger in the movie... Um, Predator, he grabs Apollo from Rocky's arm and they come together and I feel like every man that is going to grab my hand and shake should shake like this because their biceps are just boom, you know, and, 
it's insane and they're sweaty and it's hot and you're like, yes! The tea levels rise and here they are. So his grip strength, he holds on for dear life even when this guy damages his hip. I don't know if you've ever dislocated anything. I've dislocated a shoulder before. Let me tell you something. I'm not holding on to another guy at that point. He goes, you know what? I'm not letting go. You know why I'm not letting go? Because I got nothing. I've got nothing that's mine. I'm sick of stealing. I'm sick of running games. If this is an experience that is a God experience, I need something. I need me. Who am I? It's the only true confirmation I've ever had in my life that I had wrestled with a God and then he broke the fragile me. Up until this point in life, I was a Jacob. I would run games. I would make excuses. I would blame others for my failures. I would steal the blessings that I could get my hands on. I was weak. I was afraid. And I was a shell of a man. At that point in my life, I wanted a quick fix I didn't want to deal with what I saw in the mirror. I didn't even want to go to a mirror because I was going to be reminded of how weak and afraid and of a control freak I was. I had nothing to fight for. I was insecure. I was anger. Anger was my basic line of communication. Ladies, there will be no elbowing your husbands in the side at this point. Anger was my basic line of communication. Men that are not surrounded by men of faith that teach us how to step out and be transparent and vulnerable end up like the former me. Violent to anything that would challenge my opinion or I had a mix of the two. Passive to the point of zero self-worth. So we throw ourselves into things, relationships, women, Video games, man, if I could get the gold suit, bro, on level 20, I'll be something. Gambling, whatever it is, whatever it is I can conquer. If my football team wins, somehow I'm linked to that, video, to that victory. Fantasy football is on an all-time rise. Why? Because I feel like I'm part of those guys, man. I know them. No, you don't. I was just bankrupt. I love this quote. It says that there is a God-shaped hole in every man. And we try to fill it all with all that's created, but never the creator. When God showed up that overcast morning, I was fertilizing a lawn in the C-section. It was March 2005, and I could tell you this. I have never cried like that before in my life. I've got three kids I got emotional at all three births, partially because everybody was safe. My wife is one of those. We did it in our house, in my bed, babies everywhere. And I'm like, oh my God, my heart rate is through the roof. I'm losing it. You know, I'm like, I need oxygen. But I never cried like this. I was a mess. All I could do is sit down and put my hands in my face. I don't know where it came from. That morning changed. I did nothing. I didn't say any fancy prayers, Bible verses, no tricks. 
But in that moment, I belonged. Not to someone or something. Not to something that would fade. I belonged to God. Can't explain it. It was his that morning. I belonged to him. He identified with me. He says, you are mine. (laughs) Only a few things could have been true in that moment. First of all, the first thing I knew, and by the way, when people come to me for counseling, I cling to a lot of truth, man, because the enemy is loud. And so the first thing I knew to be true in that morning is we reflect those that we spend the most time with. And so 1 John 2, 6 says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Simple, elementary truth. If I say I belong, I should reflect that. So I would pray. I read my Bible. I spent time memorizing verses, carving out prayer time. I would talk to God. And then I did this crazy thing called listen. We don't like to listen. I have a hard time slowing down and listening. So I would listen. I went to gatherings, every service. I also learned something big, which is when you serve, you heal. You can't just come to church and take. We are a society of takers. You have to give. And so I served and I realized I started to heal. Galatians 5.13 empowers us saying, for those, for you were called to live in freedom, brothers and sisters. But don't use freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use that freedom to serve one another in love. So I plugged in. Breakdown crew, setup crew. At this point, I wasn't waiting for an invite, man. I was jumping in. Okay, so they're like, you don't belong here. I'm like, I do. I'm stacking stuff up. I wasn't waiting for an invite. You don't realize the dynamics that changes in a nursery when a man enters in in a loving way and holds a baby. So I would hold these babies, you know, and I'm like holding them, you know, and they're smiling, I'm smiling, they're sneezing, and I'm gagging because it's right here. Perfect trajectory, you know. I'm like, can I throw this thing like a, you know, football to the next guy? I don't want to hold them. No, there's something crazy that happens in the struggling ministries when you choose to serve. So as I served, I healed. But the biggest thing was that I joined a small group. This group loved me right where I was at, man. I had to push past this idea. I don't want to be the weird new guy. Reality is everywhere I go, I'm usually the weird new guy. People look at me and they're like, I don't know. I plugged in. John 13, 35 reminds us, your love for one another will prove to the world, that is watching, by the way, that you are my disciples, that you belong to me. (laughs) He identifies with us on an intimate level and promises that you stand out when you identify with him. You stand out. Up to this point, I had never experienced love on this level. I didn't have friends. I had acquaintances. Now I had friends. They They took time with me. They cared about me. Life at this point didn't get easier. That's the other thing. Like I thought when I got saved, I was going to wake up and life would be easy. 
I check my balance in my credit card. It's paid off. I got money in the bank. I thought for myself, well, when I get saved, I will wake up. I'll be 6'1", 220 with abs. I'd smell like cedar, and I know how to use an axe. Right? I'm like, this is going to happen. And then you wake up, and you're like, I'm still bald. What is happening? I'm telling you right now, at this point in my message, if my son was here, I would march him up on stage and you would see the mane this kid is working with, right? But it was still bald. I don't know what the heck is going on. It's the craziest thing. But I got involved. Things did not get easier because they oftentimes don't. But I had purpose. I had hope. Out of pain comes healing if we let it. Jacob makes peace with his brother in Genesis. He makes peace with him. I found that as I continued to serve and spend time with God and dedicated myself to the things that he valued, as I valued what God valued, it became easier. Things became more clear. Relationships strengthened. Now, I'll continue to fight for those lost and found it was refreshing to learn that you actually win when you say that you're willing to be second and you mean it and then your life reflects that check this video clip out so Vitor Belfort they call him the phenom I wish I had a nickname like that he was the youngest UFC champion of all time at 19 years old. What's crazy is he fought in a class called open weight. So you could go up against the guy at that time, 300 pounds. And he walked around at about 190, 205, somewhere in there. What he doesn't say is his sister was kidnapped because of his fame. She was taken in Brazil. We see on Brazil, Rio, and we think, oh, the beaches all these beautiful things. But the reality is Brazil is very, very oppressed, very oppressed. So they took his sister to try to get money. And when they didn't get any money, they just said, well, we don't value life. And so you see what happens. And so he went through a rough patch, man, but now he's still fighting today. He's over 40 years old. The guy's amazing. But what he says is, you know, you invest in others as God invests in you. He's got a beautiful testimony, and it's crazy. This morning before we pray, I want to leave you with two thoughts. First of all, that if you are struggling, if you don't have anybody in your life that's investing in you, if you are here by yourself and your husband should be here or your wife should be here and they're struggling, get with me. Don't leave without talking to me. Even if you're looking at your watch and somebody else is talking to me, be patient. Let's do this because I can tell you when you leave and even now, you hear the enemy going, just leave. He's busy. As soon as you get out those doors, you're going to have other things that pop up. I tell people this all week at CR. We do this thing called an open share group. And I always tell people, push past the anxiety. Push past this idea that you got to get home. Stay and share. Get an email. Get a phone number. 
because you matter. God values the relationship. He values who you are. He is relational. And he wants you to have breakthrough. So don't skip over that part. The second thing, if you have the opportunity to be a little further down the line in your journey like me, I am not in that room anymore, scared, worried. I'm still controlling things, but God is getting me through those, through those things. Um, invest in somebody. Invest in something. Get with the leadership here. Say, man, I, I don't know where to serve, but point me in a direction. I want to serve. Get with a person. Get an email. Get a cell phone number. Meet for lunch. Connect. Because people need to know that they do not feel alone at Epic Church. I guarantee you there are people here that feel this morning that they're the only ones here. Okay? So invest in those people. Let's pray. Father, this morning, it is only you, God, that can do these great things in a community that I was told was left I was told it was spiritually dark. And Lord, I'm seeing amazing things happen in this community starting through the relationships we form. And so I give you those praises. I give you those glories, God, because it is only you that raises people up like Epic Church that does amazing things, that invests in others and loves others in amazing ways. And so I just pray that you expand our reach, that we reach further that we do more, Lord God, that we can be healed and released from the strongholds, the hurt, the hang-up, the habit that you might be carrying. God, give us breakthrough. Give us peace in those directions, Father. We love you, we praise you, and we invite you in. Amen. Hey, guys. Thank you for sharing your time. Thank you for sharing your stage. We love you. And you guys, I guess you'll be back next week. See you then.